0: Luke chapter 11 verses 1 through 13 Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he had when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples and he said to them when you pray say Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Grass withers, the flower fades, Word of our God stands forever. So this week, as we continue our walk through the Gospel of Luke, we find ourselves continuing our discussion on prayer. This has been a very practical section the past several weeks on just the Christian life. We talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan and and, uh, all of that means in the Good Samaritan, but having this uh, real driving, this real practical application of Putting love for God and love for neighbor, and what radical love for God and love for neighbor looks like and then last week we covered two weeks ago we covered Martha and Mary. Remember Mary was commended because she had chosen the greater thing, which was to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear god 's word to her we 've spoken on the, 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 the last week the lord 's prayer and what is involved there and how we the content and the context of praying. So we've we spoken kind of just on this very practical level what the Christian life looks like. And last week in this section on prayer, we, we end, it's, it's interesting the way Luke does this, right? He emphasizes with Mary the need for us all to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear what he is saying to us. Opening up our Bibles, attending Uh, intending to the words of Scripture so that we are sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing what he has to say to us. And then immediately Luke brings in this teaching from Jesus that not only are we to hear his word to us, but that God actually desires to hear our words to him, that God wants to hear us speak, and we call this prayer. So we've covered the context of prayer, Jesus Praying in a certain place at the beginning of chapter 11. Jesus prays. He expects His um, disciples to pray. We covered the content of prayer. um, And really, we cover that every Sunday, right? We recite what we call the Lord's Prayer on a Sunday morning. We've done it already here. We recite the Lord's Prayer, covering the content of prayer. And this week, we're going to look at the character of prayer. We've covered the context, the content, and now it's the character of prayer. What is the character of prayer? Sometimes this this is kind of this section here is taken to be um, uh, some sort of a blank check with prayer. If If you ask for it, you're going to get it. If you seek it, you're going to receive it. If you knock, it's going to be open to you. And that's that's a twisting of this passage. What Jesus is getting at is to is asking the question and driving home, what is Our attitude, our inward disposition when it comes to prayer. What is the character of prayer? There are so many things. I mean, you could, if you want to read a book on prayer, you'd have to sort through the thousands of good books that are out there on prayer. We cannot say everything there is to be said on prayer. So we're going to just take what Luke, through the teaching of Jesus, is emphasizing to us on prayer this morning. And we're going to look at it through three qualities of, of the character of prayer, what, what the character of prayer is to be like. And we've got three things from this passage, three ideas, three characters, three character qualities from verses 5 through 13. When they are that we should pray shamelessly, we should pray persistently, and we should pray expectantly. We are to pray shamelessly, persistently and expectantly. So shamelessly, first off, we have this parable coming from Jesus, which is of a man, he's got a friend, and uh, somebody shows up traveling. Often you would travel, I've read, uh, you travel at night in this climate at this time, certain times of the year because it's too hot to walk during the day. So you would travel at night where it was cooler, and this, uh, a friend shows up at someone's house at midnight, and he's out of bread. Now, uh, you know, we don't need to spend a bunch of time on the culture because I think you can get it, but bread wasn't, you know, you didn't store a big loaf of bread in a sack in your cupboard that you'd bought at Hy-Vee. Part of the daily duties was getting up and baking bread. And when he's saying loaf, he's not saying, you know, three big Wonder Bread sacks of Loaves of bread. Loaf would just be a little, a little like it, it was kind of the utensil. I read it was interesting that bread would be the utensil, and every you would mop up your food, you'd scoop your food up. It was kind of what you ate with lots of times were these loaves of bread. And this, this traveler comes along, and with the high level, the importance of hospitality in this culture. You need to give this neighbor, this person, this traveler who's come to your house, some loaves of bread, but he has none. And so what does the the guy who's received the friend do? Well, he returns the favor, and he goes to another friend to bother him at midnight. It's like, I get bothered at midnight. Guess what? I'm going to bother my friends at midnight. And he shamelessly goes to this man's house. This neighbor speaks to him through the walls or through the doors or open window or whatever it was in this time. And, hey, I got a neighbor, I need three loaves of bread. The, uh, the guy receiving the request is like, hey, don't, go away, man. It's midnight, first of all. I think it's really important that he called out friend. If you're going to call on someone at midnight, you might start with, remember friend or friends? He, he's trying to lighten the mood here. Friend, uh, I, need, it's, I know it's midnight, but I need some bread. The neighbor protests, he and his children are shut up, they're in bed, they would likely just sleep in one large room with animals out in the front in the courtyard, and they'd be sleeping somewhere in a, in a big bed all together on a mat. And he's saying, everyone's asleep, don't bother me, go away, you know, I'm, it's not my problem. But Jesus says the man gets, the, the man that has the the primary man, who has the traveler who visits him, he gets what he wants in verse 8. Why? Because of his impudence, he will rise and give the guy who's requesting the bread whatever he needs. This is why the neighbor gives in, because of the man's impudence, which makes us ask this question, what in the world is impudence? Has no one else asked that question? I mean, like, if you've, impudent, what in the world, i like, I don't even know what that word means, okay, impudence, so then you look it up in the dictionary, what does impudence mean? Impudence is Is the character the quality of someone who is impudent? Isn't that helpful? You're welcome. Impudence is what is is what someone does who is impudent. Well, impudent is is, doesn't have lacks um, honor, lacks modesty. They they are shameless. They're not embarrassed about this request. Normally, you'd be embarrassed to go ask your neighbor. I, I didn't make enough bread. I don't have any left over. I got nothing to serve my neighbor. But he's shameless. He doesn't... His need for hospitality, his need to, to meet this traveler's request, meet this traveler's need, is so great, he's shameless. He, because of his impudence, because of his... He's just... He's, he's going to lack modesty. There's no decorum to him. He has this request... He's not going to go, well, you know, I don't want to bother anybody else. I guess I'll just, I don't know, let my traveler wait. You know, he, he doesn't care. He's shameless about it. He has no modesty. He has no reserve in making the request. And that's the reason why he gets these loaves of bread. Jesus says he goes and he, has, he shamelessly asks, for this bread. And this is the attitude that Jesus encourages us to have in prayer. Do you worry about perfectly stated petitions to God? We know our prayer needs to be just right. I've got to just make, you know, we've got to have the right wording. We talked about last week. Some people say, I don't know how to pray with this idea that somehow there's magic words or magic language to ask just the right thing. Does a kid worry? about perfectly stated petitions when they're asking their parent to do something for them? No. They're shameless. They are shameless when it comes to making requests. Kids are so shameless. I can't tell you the embarrassing things that I get asked sometimes from my kids. They have no problem asking me to do all sorts of embarrassing things that I can't mention from up here that any normal person would be too ashamed to even say the words. I'm ashamed. I'm not going to say what they ask me up here in front of all of you. But a kid is shameless, right? They're going to their dad, they're going to their mom, and they say, you know what, I need, hey, can you help me with this? Can you, can can this, you know, problem, can you remedy this? They are shameless. And this is the attitude Jesus encourages us to have because when we are praying to God, we are praying our Father. We are praying our Father. This is our Father who is in heaven Children have, if they have a problem, they shamelessly just ask, just like this man inquires of his neighbor. And that's how Jesus encourages and teaches us to pray. The friend had no concern for how he would appear. Decorum was not anywhere in his mind, but he had a request. And no matter how embarrassing his need may be, he was not going to fail to inquire from the one who could actually help him. Prayer is to be shameless. I have a need. And I can, can, in my pride, pretend like, you know what, I'll take care of this need. Failure to pray, many times, is just a matter of pride. You know why you don't pray? You think you've got it under control. You think you can handle this. You think you're the problem solver in your life. And shameless Jesus is incurring shameless prayer requires this... (laughs) understanding I've got real need and I don't need to pretend like I don't and call out to your Father. Understanding the Gospel, the reason why the Gospel drives you to this prayer, understanding God the Gospel, is knowing yourself to be so desperate that shame is no longer a thought in your head. Shame when you grasp the reality of the, the Gospel and what it means that we are sinners, guilty, condemned in the sight of God, who has sent His Son to rescue us, not because we earned it, but in spite of the fact we couldn 't earn it and deserved the polar opposite. God has rescued you, rescued us. God, if you are His, He has seen you at your worst. You don't hide anything from God. God knows your secret thoughts, the the you that no one else knows. God knows, God knows, and what does He do in response to knowing that sinful side of you that you keep closed off, out of church doors, out of sight of people? That sinful self that you know God knows Him, and what does God do in response to that? Romans 5.8, we read it, the call to worship this morning. God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God knows your shame. Do we recognize it? Do we recognize it? Are we willing to, in prayer, admit, I am a beggar. I am a beggar before God. God, shamelessly I come and make this request Not because I earn it. I know that I can't measure up on my own. I know that I can't achieve this on my own. God, shamelessly, help. Help. Ever get to the place where that's the only prayer you can pray? God, help. Shameless. This is what Jesus encourages us to do. The gospel comes to those who forget any idea of shame and just lay it out there. Confessing, this is who I am, these are the problems I've got, and confessing them and trusting in Christ. And having begun like that, should we now forget that when it comes to praying to Christ, praying to God? Shamelessly. We pray shamelessly. We pray persistently. Going on in verse 9. Jesus says, I tell you, ask, it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, to the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. That Greek word there, the verbs, the ask, the seek, the knock, they are an ongoing present imperative. Which means, you could say, whoever asks and keeps on asking. Whoever seeks and keeps on seeking. Whoever knocks and keeps on knocking. Jesus is saying those who are asking and asking and asking and seeking and seeking and seeking and knocking and knocking and knocking. This is Jesus describing again what our character in prayer and our attitude in prayer should be. What you care about, you continue in prayer about. What you care about you continue in prayer about. Again, it's not a blank check, these verses. The content of our prayer has already been discussed in earlier in the Lord's Prayer. We pray chiefly that God's name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, that his, from the Matthew 6 version, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we pray for our needs, forgiveness of our sins. We pray that that God would give us our daily needs and that he would not lead us into temptation. This, the attitude we are to have in prayer is not this blank check attitude, but it is shamelessly and it is persistently. God, I need this. God, I need this. No, asking, seeking, knocking, asking, seeking, knocking. Why does God encourage this? If, if we're people that believe in the sovereignty of God, I'm a, I'm a high view of the sovereignty of God kind of guy. I don't think I've hidden that. I, God is in charge of it all. And so if we have a high view of a sovereign God that no molecule of this world is outside of the control of God. We have this high view of the sovereignty of God. Isn't God already going to do what he wants to do? I mean, what is, why is Jesus wanting this shameless, persistent, expectant prayer? Isn't God going to just do what he wants to do? If, doesn't God already know what's gonna happen and what he's gonna do here and just go ahead and do it? Isn't that, and the the answer to that is yes. He he does know. God declares the ends before the beginnings. He knows he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and he knows all these things in between. But the reality is this. God not only, not only ordains the ends, he also ordains the means. God ordains the ends of things and he ordains the means through which those ends are accomplished. And one of the means that he has ordained is that his people pray and ask. Is that his people pray and ask. Does God know if he's going to bless the work of this church and bring a revival of joy in the gospel here? Does God know if he's going to do that or not? Yeah, he does. But one thing is for sure if he's going to do it here, he's going to do it through the prayers, answering the prayers of his people. He ordains ends and he ordains the means to those ends. Your neighbor that you long to know Jesus, is, is God. does God know if that person is going to be saved? Yes, he does. But not only does he ordain the ends of that, he ordains the means, which may be through your prayers and your witness to your own neighbor. God ordains both of these things. Think about Jesus in prayer. I mean, if anyone knew the sovereignty of God, it 'd be Jesus. He could pray He could pray real short. God, you know what you 're going to do, and, and you 're going to do it. Amen. I mean, that, that could have been his prayer, but he doesn 't. Jesus labors in prayer all night at times, labors long in prayer, and teaches us a different prayer. So Jesus is persistent. And sometimes it becomes difficult when you aren't seeing the answer to the prayer that you want to see to continue in prayer. But Jesus, teaching on prayer to us, is shamelessly and persistently making our requests, taking our concerns and our desires to God. Shamelessly, persistently, and expectantly. The third point, it's implied in this parable that with this neighbor that you go to, you go to this neighbor asking for bread... And the contrast here is that this neighbor who's, you know, going to be bothered, doesn't really he'll even the even the bothered annoyed neighbor will give you what you want. In contrast to a bothered annoyed neighbor is a good loving and giving God. If there's a contrast, if the annoyed neighbor will give up because of your impudence, because of your lack of modesty, because of your shamelessness, if the annoyed neighbor will give, how much more would a good God not an annoyed neighbor, a good and loving father give to those who ask. So it's implied there, but it's also just right out here in verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give of a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? No one's doing that. I mean, why would you intentionally, the kid is asking for sustenance and health, and things that will help him, give him something that is going to harm him? We're, we're not going to do that. How much more will the God of all grace give exactly what his children need? If you then who are evil, speaking about depravity there, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, children, how much more does our good God know what to say? But we must at this point say, if you're thinking about prayer, I've asked for certain things and God didn't give me what I needed. it's a reality of, I mean, how do, you, how do you go through suffering and struggle in your life? And I'm a specific prayer request prayer. When we were going through things with Jana, we were going through things with Darla, I would share on Facebook, here's five, four, three, two, one. Well, here's specific prayer requests that I want you to make. So there was no, no denying this is what I want to see happen. And sometimes God would not give me what I thought I needed. What do we do in these moments? I've asked for certain things, and God doesn't give me what I need. And here at this point, we have to admit, humbly admit a few things. And mainly it's this. We don't know everything. We don't know everything. We may know several things, and we may know what we most want, but we don't have the breadth of knowledge to know exactly what is best. That's why Tim Keller says in his book on prayer that God, when we pray... God will either give us what we ask for or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. God will either give us what we ask for or give us what we would have asked for if we knew everything he knows. And a clue to this reality is how Jesus ends this. Luke, the writer on the Holy Spirit, if you you can't read Luke and Acts and not just hear Luke bringing in again the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. But here at the end, how much more will the Heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit. All of this pressing, all of this, all of this teaching on prayer to be shamelessly, persistently, expectantly asking is expectantly that God, when, and you request, when you request of Him, God gives good gifts to His children. And chiefly, what is the good gift He gives? himself If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly Father give the holy spirit to those who ask him Get this God is going to answer every request in one incredible and overwhelmingly overwhelming way for all of his children by giving more of himself by giving himself Is there any greater answer to a prayer than that? No. And that's why if if I have to go visit you in the hospital sometime or visit a loved one of yours, they're on their deathbed, I've been there this week, what I will pray for, I will pray for your healing. Absolutely glad to do it. We'll beg God for miraculous things to happen in your life. We'll ask for it. but I'll ask for one thing above it all, that you know Christ. That you're drawn near to Him, that your love and knowledge and joy in Jesus far any far out far outdo far exceed anything any storm that would come in to your life. I will pray for those miracles to happen unreservedly, but above it all, I will pray that God reveals Himself to you in greater ways. That God gives you yes more of His Holy Spirit more of himself, there is no greater answer than this. It's the point Paul is making in Romans chapter 8. To close, if you got your Bible out, Romans chapter 8, oh, just live in Romans 8. It's so good. This is Paul's point. Romans, end of Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. Well, that sounds like wait a second. All right. We if we if we're going to get Jesus, we're going to get everything we want. Yes, and 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 he goes into what that looks like. What does that look like? Who shall then who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who's to condemn? Christ Jesus, the one who died, more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us? From the love of Christ, look what happens to the lives of these whom God loves and are not separated from his love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword? That's a bad resume. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We were regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all of these things We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God did not spare giving us His Son, the greatest and most costly gift. How can we assume He would hold back what is absolutely best for us? Praying shamelessly, praying persistently, praying expectantly. God has given his son to rescue you, to redeem you from your sins. If God has given his son, how would he not give you exactly what you need? No one can take from us the justification God has given those in Christ because it is God who has given it. Therefore, none of the awful things, and make no mistake, they are awful things that come to us in life at times. No awful thing that comes our way can separate us from the love of God and His will to do His children good by giving them Himself. It's Christ our treasure. Christ is the answer. And we pray for tons of things. I'm not trying to diminish praying for our daily bread, praying for daily needs. But this great response, the Father gives and is glad to give Himself Himself the most precious and priceless gift that he has to give. Even if all heaven and earth will try to take us from him, every force will fail to remove us from the Father because it is the Father who, through the work of Christ, has brought us to himself, loving us in Christ and giving us the most precious and priceless gift of all, himself. So how is our praying How is your understanding and joy in this gospel? Prayer is a Christ-bought gift given to those adopted as God's very own children. Therefore, in the joy of that reality, we pray. Shamelessly, persistently, expectantly. God gives his son, how will he not graciously give us all things? And chief among them all, how will he not, even in the midst of suffering and trial, give us himself? We pray his name to be hallowed, his will to be done, our daily needs to be met, our sins to be forgiven, ourselves to be strengthened. We pray it shamelessly. We pray it persistently. We pray it expectantly, knowing that the God who freely gave his son will not deny us what is absolutely best, every good thing, and always the absolute best thing himself. Let's pray. Father, Father, Tighten our joy in you. Not through tricks. Not through magic. Not through lies. From the truth of who you are. Give us eyes for the gospel. Give us eyes for the incredible news of a God who rescued sinners. And who rescued a sinner like me. That I would come to you as my father. Shamelessly, persistently. Expectingly, knowing that as a loving Father you will give me exactly what I need and most of all, what I need is more of you. Thank you, God. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.